Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome back to the Yak Sports Podcast. I am Leela McRae, Joe Deck with me like always, and we will jump into the sports news that matters to you, the Augusta County sports fan. And that starts with just kind of an update of where the BHSL stands. Uh, the interesting news that came out this last week is that we knew Buffalo Gap had been denied an appeal to them playing class one uh, in the next cycle, which would be after this coming school year, it would be starting that 2021 fall. Um, So not immediate things getting solved here, but this is when it gets solved. So we got to talk about it. Um, So we had asked Patrick height for some numbers and some details when he was on a couple weeks ago. And uh, without his help, I went and found him. So that's a shot at Patrick height right there. He's busy. He's busy covering maybe slightly more important things right now than what happens on the sports fields a year from now. I didn't see uh, anything know, about this, that in the Stanton newsletter. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he might he might be a little more busy with, you know, school children going to school or not in the county and in the city. But uh, we, we, we won't we won't hold it against him that he didn't get us the stats. But I <laughs> dug on the VHSL website, found what we needed. And basically my thought logic personally, just this is how I believe. And it probably is a little bit affected because I am a Riverheads homer is you play where your number says you play. So if, if there's a line drawn and your number is below it, you play low. And if your number's above it, you play high. Well, the reason Buffalo Gap is appealing is because they're right at that line. Yeah. And uh, they're at 476 kids. And after the appeals of last time and, and people going up and down, Fort Chiswell at 472. So only four students difference. Fort Chiswell is playing down in class one and Buffalo Gap is listed in class two. Giles and Buffalo Gap had both put in requests. They are both denied, and it kept them up in class two. Now, apparently, their VHSL will hear their appeal again um, because of unusual circumstances. I, I tried to find out what those unusual circumstances are. I don't know what those are. Maybe we'll find out more between now and September 1st, but they're right at the line. But what I will say and what kind of makes me think the line's drawn maybe where it needs to be is because class one has 55 teams in it. And class two only has 50 teams in it. So if Buffalo Gap comes down, then there'll be 49 in class two and 56 in class one. So the line's got to get drawn somewhere. It's got to be, it just stinks for Buffalo Gap, I guess. If they, if they're feeling the the heat of playing class two schedule and being the lowest enrollment number in class two, but I almost, I don't know if I'm rooting for their, for it to change for them. Cause I just think then you're just starting to fool with the lines. And, and so we'll see what happens. And it's nothing personal against Buffalo Gap. I just sometimes you're the smallest fish in the pond. And I think that might be the case in this next cycle for Buffalo Gap. Yeah, uh, I I agree. And kind of like you said, I think it's what hurts them is you already have 55 schools in class one and only 50 in class two. Right now, class two is already the smallest classification in terms of number of schools that are in it. So it doesn't eventually you're going to have to draw that line. Now, you might be asking, why did they let Fort Chiswell go down? Great question. Um, But for me, Buffalo Gap, they're going to look around and they're going to say, okay, I mean, you have Stewart's draft in your classification. Um, I guess the the alternative is Riverhead. So either way, it's it's not going to change. And I think this is what hurts them on their special circumstances or whatever they're going for without knowing what it is. It can't be the number of schools because that's not going to change. So, I think they're kind of the, stuck where the they are. 
I think they're stuck where they are too, and I'm not. I don't think I'm going to feel bad for them when Giles, that has one more student than them, also got denied. And Giles' reasoning for wanting to play down was, "Hey, in the next cycle, we're going to be down." Which that's assuming they're still in six classes. I keep hearing they're going to go to four classes, so all that'll be at the window then. But apparently, they have very low numbers in their middle school, and so the next cycle that comes through, they'll be shooting down the list on enrollment. Fine. But you can play up now, and you've played up. And they've had great success. Giles has played mm-hmm. good football. They've played great soccer. They've played very well at Class 2 level for a lot of years. Just enjoy the last two years of it, I guess, is my is my point of view there. Uh, I have no idea. There's four teams that are going for a second round of appeal. Um, Buffalo Gap's the only team I'm sure of that. I, I didn't see an official press release for this. It wasn't available on their website. But uh, Cody Elliott had tweeted that Buffalo Gap was getting heard. So I think it'll be interesting what I found interesting just looking over everything is, you know, everybody looks at Shenandoah district as a, as a class two B district with a couple others in there. Well, there's more class three C teams in that district than anything else now. And I just, I don't think I had really seen that on paper. I think we said it a couple of weeks ago when it got stated with Stanton going up um, and Waynesboro being in the district, but there's four class three C teams in that Shenandoah district now and then just Buffalo Gap and Draft, who are currently listed as Class 2B, and then Riverhead's the lone Class 1 team. So it's really becoming a bigger district than it used to be, adding Waynesboro into it, having Stanton go up into it. So uh, Stanton has more kids at their school now than Fort Defiance. I was going to say, yeah, so, looking at those updated figures that you had put out there, yeah, yeah I was going to say Stanton didn't decided not to appeal, and probably for the best because it would have gotten rejected immediately if Fort didn't yeah. appeal. So. Uh, yeah, and Stewart's Draft—they're one of the bigger. I, I had said previously, Stewart's Draft's a pretty big Class Two team, and uh, they are, but they—they're still 40, 30, 40 away from that line that was drawn with Central Woodstock coming down. Um, and then this half cycle modification here—you know, when they went into this cycle two years ago, they kind of had to split all evenly. All the—I think all the different classes had right about the same number, you know, within one or two, and you know where it made sense. Um, but this time, now the numbers are a little bit uneven. And then you have schools that have dropped in enrollment that might be still playing up, like Liberty Christian. They were eligible to come down. They, I don't even think they asked to go down. They're just staying in Class 3. And they're, you know, they have the same amount of kids or close to the amount of schools, kids, as Stuart Straff does. So it's interesting that they'll stay down. Now, I think that's kind of fair for a school that kind of recruits kids and it's a private academy, I think, that is kind of fair. Go ahead and stay up in class, uh, class three there. But um, yeah, it's just interesting that the district has become a district of bigger schools now. And uh, we'll just see how that plays for this cycle. I think, I do think in two years, they're going to go to class four classifications. I think a lot of people are just think that's the obvious move. So all this will go out the window then, and we'll be working on a new, a new system. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I don't have anything else to add to that. I thought you kind of summed it up pretty good. Yep, I, I do that every once in a while. So let's jump to the college sports. We'll talk about more about this later with our uh, guest in the B block, Micah, there. But a couple points to be made um, just from our points of view and kind of update our listeners uh, where we stand. NCAA has postponed all four, all fall sports championships except the FBS. FBS is still able to go do what they do. Now, FBS is their postseason is ruled by yeah, a different, different party, the NCAA. So they don't mm-hmm. really have control of that. Mm-hmm. But it does just kind of reinforce the blatant point that 
it's about the money. You talk about these bowl yeah. games, you talk about that playoff system, you talk about all that TV money, and that is just the only thing keeping this alive right now for the FBS, for some of those Power 5 schools, uh, for our Power 5 conferences. Um, not all of them. Big 10's already said they're out. Pac-12's already said they're out. But it just seems money's keeping it alive, and it <laughs> that's kind of a funny way to phrase it. When you're talking about a, a life-or-death disease for whoever – contracts it or whoever's around the people that contract it and it's a life or death disease uh a virus um it seems like money's kind of calling the shots here it's just what keeps getting shown to me decision after decision yeah and i think even the big 10 and the pac-12 ruling it out could also be money i mean it's the university presidents looking at yeah. potential yep. lawsuit money um because again it's not just life or death it's life, death, potential damaging health consequences for the rest of your life. So, exactly. yeah, the Big Ten presidents are, and I'll, I'll go ahead and jump to another topic here that you have further down the list. Um, the Big Ten presidents aren't going to be swayed by hashtag we want to play or hashtag change.org petitions or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know of a single change.org petition that has changed anything. I think that website should be changed to wasteyourtime.org because I don't know of anything that's ever been accomplished by an online petition on that website. Um, I, I'm sure maybe if you go digging, you can find a few, but I, I don't think of, I, I can't think of a single instance of anything of any like meaningful change happening on that website. This is going to be no different. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 presidents are going to look at that petition and go, thanks, uh, and then throw it in the trash. They're not going to read it. They don't care. And it's not that they don't care that the players want to play. It's that the university presidents are looking at something bigger than the athletic department. It's why when Nebraska says, oh, yeah, well, we'll go play not in the Big Ten. If the president of Nebraska were to look at the money that would be lost by leaving the Big Ten, he would say, no, we're not, you dummy. And you're fired. That You are going to come closer. And Ohio State and Michigan, which are two schools' presidents that did vote to cancel the season— they will fire Jim Harbaugh, and they will fire whoever the guy at yeah. Ohio State is now. I can't remember off the top of my head. They will it's fire those two guys. Guy. Well, what a great pedigree. Um, they will fire those two guys before they let a football season happen, uh, a rogue football team play. That, that, that is the funniest storyline when people are like, oh, well, they'll just go play people. I'm like, well, one, who are they going to play? And two, no, they won't because the university presidents are going to say, Hey, guess what? You work on my campus, you bozo. I sign your checks. You're not playing if I tell you the university is not playing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the football coaches, you know, just because they get so much more money than the university presidents are forgetting that they actually do work underneath them. It just seems like it's people think the Big Ten's going to reverse their decision and play. And, and even tonight, no, I'm seeing tweets. It's not, like, oh, it's yeah, not it's official. Happening. It's coming. It's coming. And I'm like, it just seems impossible to me. I just you've you've had this big public stance. You've said what you said. You've done it because of the the reasons they gave. Pac-12, especially their commissioner, just stood there and and said the reasons of like why they're they're pulling out. It just I don't see how it's even possible for that to be reversed. It's I just don't. It's not gonna be. And at this point, I I kind of look at this as like instant replay in football. You you always you always hear well here's the call on the field and we have to have undisputable evidence that we can reverse this call. Well, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have made a decision here based on facts, science, 
And now you'll need undisputable evidence to overturn that, which seems, I mean, just, I don't see how you stop and start again. It's not going to happen. You're not going to find, there's not evidence out there. I'd say the only there way they're going to get evidence. evidence or science yeah. that this can, this isn't going to hurt these players. The, you can, you can try to make these arguments. Well, these players are better off on the campus than they are at home. Maybe a few. Are, are we really talking about all these class one power five, uh, uh, class FBS athletes really have that terrible of a home life that they would just be worse off. And what is it saying about these programs that just because there's not football games being had, even though the nine months, the rest of the year that they're not playing football, you still treat them well and have tutors and feed them and have everything available to them. Well, all of a sudden the games aren't actually happening in the fall for the first time ever. These schools are just dropping them on their butt and saying, Nope, get out of here, locking the doors, get out, get away from us. No, they're still going to control these players' lives because if there is a spring season, which I don't think there will be, if there's a spring season, they want them ready to play then, and they're going to keep them in the weight room, and they're going to still have activities just like they had in July. They're going to have it now. So I don't understand that argument. You're just going to need – you're going to need facts to tell you, oh, yeah, we were wrong a week ago. Now we can play, and it's not going to happen. You're not going to find those facts. To me, this is the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the only ones looking at the facts. You're not going to find something that's going to tell you the opposite right now. Opinions, ideas, dreams, maybe, but not facts. Yeah, and look, I'll be the first to admit, I think having the student bodies on campus is going to be what derails the rest of these conferences. But uh, So do the football coaches. They're all, they're all saying, oh, we're really worried about the students coming back. Yeah. You work at a, at a college. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about that with Micah, so I won't hammer that point here. But – and we already saw case one with North Carolina, but um, I'll be the first to admit in terms of like outbreaks on teams, it's yes. Do we know for sure that's going to happen? I can't say with a hundred percent certainty, but I can say, I feel like it's definitely going to happen. I, there's a high probability that you will have an outbreak on it on the team as soon as college campuses open up and that's in season. So yes, I think it's going to be an issue. Um, and then, the flip side of that is if you close campuses to prevent that, I, you just cannot, I don't know how you justify these people are student athletes. If you cancel class or cancel campuses or close campuses, excuse me, and then play sports anyway, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but the only, and to go back to your other point of undisputable evidence, the only way the big 10 and the PAC 12 are going to have undisputable evidence is if these other conferences that are playing, play the full season and don't have an outbreak. That's the only way that's going to happen. So they're not going to change their mind. The university presidents will still probably defend that decision because they're going to say the big 10, especially look, we had five athletes test positive for the coronavirus, And then we discovered a heart condition. So yeah, the big 10 presidents right now, if they're in a courtroom can say, as soon as we discovered this, we shut it down. That's what they can say. They're not going to be held liable. What the ACC, SEC and big 12 won't be able to say is the same thing. If they get in a courtroom, they're, that's going to be the evidence right there for the athlete. They're going to say, well, look, it was in the Big Ten. That's why they canceled their season. That's why the Pac-12 canceled their season. Why didn't you do that? And they're going to say, well, you know, hashtag we want to play. And that's going to not be great evidence in court. Something that you've been hitting on week after week directly is all these people saying, hey, wear a mask. We want college football. I still see people tweeting that. The, the whole start wearing a mask and social distance, and we have a college football season, 
it's it's so stupid now. I mean, it's August. It's too late. It's like, it's just it's just ter- it's too late. It's too late. Thank you. <laughs> it's just <laughs> there's no way. It's like having a car wreck and then putting on your seatbelt. It's it's yeah. Or buying insurance I, I, after so the car things. wreck. Yeah, it's too late. It's just so it's too late. It's already happened. College football season has already suffered because of what has happened. And we're we're going to see it in the next three weeks. We're going to see what happens. It's just too late. You can please start wearing your mask. If you're not wearing a mask now and you think please do. Yeah. Football, yeah, man. That's what well, especially if you're in our listening area, if you want them to play high school football in the spring or the winter or whenever, I believe it's in the winter technically, but yeah, do you start wearing it now? Cause that's the only way you're going to see it. But people um, not wearing it in June is what caused it not to happen in August. Yep. And uh, yeah, as you said, it's, it's too late now. The football is either going to happen or not happen. It's way too late in the game to start wearing the mask now to save college football. You should have been doing that at the beginning uh, at, at least in April or May uh, if you wanted college football. And if you didn't, then at least you know why we don't have college football. So, or why we might not have college football. But, yeah. well, We're again, we'll talk... we college football no matter what. There yeah, we'll talk, to, we'll talk to Micah about this some more. So we'll, we'll hop off this, other than just to say, Big Ten and Pac-12, I would be stunned if they changed their mind. Uh, that would be... Absolutely the second most surprising thing to happen in 2020 behind Chris Davis pinch hitting in the game yesterday, (laughs) which let's talk about that now. I mean, that game was probably lost at that point anyway, because of an error at third base in a, in a game where we didn't play the best defensively the whole day. And there in the eighth inning, it really came back to bite us, but uh, the Orioles are 12 and nine. That's third in the AL East. We're half game. I think behind the Rays for second coming into tonight. Um, I don't, I don't think we won tonight. Uh, we were down three when I you're stopped top watching. Of the ninth, you're down five one. Yeah. Okay. So that's worse. Um, so we're not winning, but uh, twelve and ten is still good for where I thought this team was going to be at the beginning of the year. I will say this: John Heyman, too late to hop on the bandwagon, bro. When you put last year that this team doesn't deserve to be on the same field as the Yankees, the Orioles don't deserve to be in Major League Baseball, they're bad for baseball, blah, blah, blah. And then today, tweet, wow, look at all these young core pieces they have. Oh, wow. Hey, John Heyman, it's almost like rebuilding. There's a strategy there. Also, John Heyman. I do. Shut up. Go get in a rock. All John Heyman and all his type that were like the Orioles are – Cancer to baseball. They're the worst thing to ever happen to baseball. Oh, my gosh. We've never heard of the term rebuilding before in our lives. This is terrible. They shouldn't be allowed to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Do, my, do me a favor. All of you get in a rocket ship and send it to the freaking moon, you idiot, because I don't have time for those people. Preferably to the sun, but that's not the office reference. <laughs> so I, there's two types of Oriole tweets that you retweet. And one doesn't bother me at all, and it's those, uh, and and saying get out of here because you were right when you were making fun of this guy a year ago, saying the system doesn't work. The Houston Astros just proved that this this approach worked. Well, that uh, and trash even, cans, but yeah, yeah. Other than they're cheating, but uh, they still have talent on that team, and they yes. they they're a talented football team, football baseball team, baseball team. team. Yep. Um, if they're cheating or not. So it's not stupid of the Orioles to have tried that for a period of time. Now, I think if that goes on for a decade, maybe you, you start, you know, like the 76ers kind of had a long approach to their uh, 
trying to get number one picks every year. I do think that one went on a little long, but I agree with you. I do start to some of these tweets that you've really gotten into maybe right before this weekend where it was just anybody that picked the Orioles to finish last. You're just all over them. What? I, I don't have a problem with them picking. No, I don't have a problem. Okay. That they were going to be this good. No, I, I mean, and like this good is third place in the AL East right now. Like, I don't think you really thought that they're going to be sweeping people and this and that you were hoping like the, the pinnacle is third place in the AL East. And we don't make the playoff. Like you didn't think they'd make the playoffs this year. So don't like bash everybody for not picking them to be world beaters this year. What did they show you? They didn't show you anything in this offseason. They didn't get players. Wrap it up. I got a point. Wrap it up. (laughs) I just, what did they do? What did they do to make you think they were going to be this good? It's not that they picked the Orioles to finish last. I would have picked the Orioles to finish last. It's the way they did it. It's it's been one post that I've been retweeting. It's a lot of people posting it, but it's about one review. It was on ESPN.com where the writer... He couldn't just pick the Orioles to finish last. He's got to be he like, look, the Orioles it, the Orioles will be lucky to win 10 games this year. Okay, well, we're not even halfway through the season. It, it, don't they? We're not even I halfway mean, through the season. He does it for a reason. Because he's an look, idiot, and he doesn't watch state. baseball. All he does is watch the Yankees and the Red Sox. Great. Hey, Sunday Night Baseball, the next time the Yankees and the Red Sox play, can you please put it on again? Because I love watching baby seals get clubbed on live television. The Boston Red Sox are bad for baseball. How about that? Why didn't John Heyman put that out there? The Red Sox are bad for baseball. They're bad for baseball. They're bad. They're not bad. They've got a bunch of non-professional players out there. They're bad for baseball. We should contract the Boston Red Sox. How about that? They're bad for baseball. When when the fans allowed in the stadium, they sell out every single night. Bad bad for for baseball. baseball. That's because Boston people are a bunch of mass holes. I said mass holes. I'm not going to argue that point, Uh, but. You still have an uphill climb, and I think it starts this week. I want to root for the Orioles, so if you can It starts this week with the Blue Jays and the Red Sox? It doesn't start this week. It will start soon. It's not this week. You got to win. You got to be good this week. You got to you, you gotta be good this week. This week and next week, you got to be good. If you. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing that this week we have to be good. But what I would say is, Leland, that I think when I'm looking at what we have managed to do on this roster and the pitching that we have defeated, we have beaten up on the likes of uh, Max, uh, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, basically every Nats ace they threw at us. We managed to jack runs on. So the Tampa Bay Rays pitchers, which are good. We have jacked runs on Zach Wheeler from the Phillies is a good pitcher. We put runs on him. So you got to keep doing it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've seen us do it. I'm not disagreeing that we need to be good this week. I'm just saying that's why I don't think this week is the hard week. I think the hard week is when we play when we play the Rays and the Yankees. Those are the two teams ahead of us. That's when it's hard, because if you lose those series, then you start to fall to a point where I'm like, eh, maybe maybe we get one of those other two wild card spots. But I'm not 100 percent sure of that. See, it's just we're looking at it different. I I mean, you're going to have to be good then, too, but. You, you can't go like be lackadaisical against these teams behind you in the power sure. rankings. You got to take care of business now. And if you don't take care of business now, don't talk to me when you're playing the Yankees and the, and the Ray. Like you got to, if you're not performing well now, don't talk to me when you're playing the hard teams because you're not going to do it then either. I would agree with that. 
So we're just we're just saying it a little bit differently, and that's fine. So I, but the thing is, I want you guys. I want to root for the Orioles. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon, but I I prefer this podcast when I'm at least not arguing with you about every team you have, and I argue with you about so many other teams, including the Ravens and uh, Dallas and of soccer in general so i i i'm not against the orioles so just stop telling me that everybody's out to get you and cheating you and i will say man the umpire tonight we did get some calls tonight from the umpire so let me give credit where credit's due i usually (laughs) feel like the umpires are out to get us but man tonight that strike zone was wild for both sides and this goes back to my other point and this is a truer point that i have can we get rid of human umpires behind the plate? Because they are just god-awful. They are so jobs. bad. Yeah, Joe I am cutting jobs. cutting jobs. I am cutting jobs. Because if the guy at McDonald's keeps giving you the wrong thing like 50% of the time, you probably just get rid of him. <laughs> so why are we treating MLB umpires better? They cost more. They, they cost more. Just fire them. They're bad at their jobs. Just move them to the bases. They're not really great there either, but just move them there. They can do less damage. At least those are reviewable calls. At the yes, exactly. Yeah. We can fix those with technology, just like I want to do with the home plate calls. Man, the, the Nationals. Nats. Yeesh. I know they won the series this weekend in Baltimore, but we won the season series, which is great. Uh, again, uh, the Nationals, the Nats- man. Mm. I don't know what it is with the Orioles. They just can't beat us. They beat the Braves tonight. They have the Good Braves and the Marlins this week. Uh, they're 8-11, and 11, and it's kind of do or die time here. They got to they gotta have a good winning percentage the rest of the way to kind of be doing what they want to do. Cause they're sitting fourth in the NL East. I know a lot of teams make the playoffs, but there'd be a lot of traffic for those wild card spots. So uh, they got to get, they're going to have to get going here. It's something they did a year ago. Uh, they were sitting in a similar spot and at the end of May percentage wise, actually worse. And they got it going. So that's what Nats fans are hoping for. Now it does stink on the year after they win the title. It's just everything takes them out of the spotlight. The the Astros cheating scandal and then COVID just it's just so irregular for a, a, a team that's defending their title to have so much downplay their 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 run the next year. So I, I feel bad for Nats fans. They can't celebrate properly on that. But, hey, go win it again and, and, and you can try it again next year, I guess. Yeah, I, I will say um, I, I did think this was going to be the difficulty for the nationals and i haven't to be totally fair i haven't watched a lot of nationals baseball i watch the orioles um because i have that package uh for the orioles and then i watch national tv and the nets just haven't been on national tv which i think again is another problem with espn you're defending world series champion you're not putting them on national tv instead let's watch the new york yankees slaughter the boston red sox like we were going to put you know aztec sacrifices on national tv if we had footage of it i mean that would be more humane than what the New York Yankees are doing in the Boston Red Sox, in my opinion. But the the Nationals and the games I saw, Sunday was a bit of an exception where the bottom of the order did hurt the Orioles. But other than that, it just kind of felt like, okay, if we dodge the Juan Soto home run bullet here when he comes up, we're fine. Because there's not a lot of people on that lineup that you just go, oh, no, what are we going to do here? As Drupal Cabrera is okay, but... Uh, Victor Robles, not scared. Michael A. Taylor, not scared. Might as well change his name to Michael K. Taylor because that guy is going to strike out more times than not at the plate. He's just not very good. So Juan Soto is great, and it's great to have him back, and that will help the Nats. I I don't know how the Nats won any games without him. 
looking at that lineup because he just is kind of offensively. That's it. Yeah. I started as good. Who's not good are the pirates. They're terrible. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about them much more this year. I just want them to play well when I'm watching them. They're, they show up no. on MLB network once a week or so. Uh, if that, I just, when I'm watching them, I want them to perform well. I got one of those last week. It was great. Uh, so that's, I'm taking the small victories there. They are absolutely all time terrible. And I really believe they're going to finish dead last in major league baseball this year. So yeah, I'm, I'm accepting of that fact. Um, and I root against it, but I'm, at least you get no Kumar point. rocker. What? If you finish dude last, you get the Kumar weekend, rocker. Like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, dude before the weekend playing the red said, Hey, uh, they just need to win some games this weekend and they could have a shot. And I, I mean, I was just befuddled. Of what this guy <laughs> I, was I did <laughs> even thinking that the pirates could even have a chance. Now the pirates didn't lose a bunch this weekend. I'll give them that. They didn't play because COVID took over the reds, but yeah, it's they're they're out of it. They're done. I don't know what this guy. I mean, I get covering a team and trying to prov- provide a positive stance, but maybe do what I did. Want them to perform well when you're watching. Talk about the development of players as they're coming along, which they aren't doing well with that either. I don't know. Find something else because talk playoff talk in Pittsburgh is whew, that's just a fantasy. Yeah. All right. NBA playoffs are starting up. We've ignored the NBA these last couple of weeks, other than talking about their bubble in relation to how other teams could or couldn't do a bubble. So let's talk about these playoffs as they get going here in the preseason. We both had Clippers bucks in the finals. I went bucks over Clippers, basically just to say the opposite of you. And you went Clippers over bucks. So we will see, we will have a chance to see if that's uh, correct. Cause the bubble is working well. And those two teams are top two teams in their leagues. The Clippers are the number two seed out in the West and the Bucks are the one seed in the East. Uh, we both had predictions about dark horse teams. I had the jazz and I, 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 my comment was the jazz would get talked about a lot. Uh, I think that was true in one sense because that was the game. Their player was yeah. the one that kind of, he's <laughs> the one who caused all of this. Yeah. Thanks Rudy Gobert. The NBA and torched all the mics and everything, but they did not perform as well this year as what I thought. So I was not right there. You had the heat as a dark horse. They are the four or five seed, five, five. seed in the East. And, uh, I'll give you a little bit of credit there. They, they were probably better than they, you would have maybe thought you probably would have thought they were, uh, closer to an eight team and they were a five team. So we'll give you a little credit there, especially if they can do some in the playoffs here. I do think they'll get past the Pacers. Um, yeah. And then it's then it's going to be a race. I will say, I I do think in the West, it's the two LA teams. I, I just don't see a scenario where they aren't playing in the Western Conference Finals. In the East, it's wide open, because the Milwaukee Bucks have not looked great in this bubble. And I think a lot of people are just kind of saying, oh, well, once, the, once it's the playoffs, you know, they'll figure it out and they'll turn it on. Uh... I don't know. I, I, I think you just look I, at the hockey bubble. The Bucks, yeah. You look at the hockey bubble, and that kind of tells you a lot. Like, it's the teams that had to play in meaningful games and had to work hard to get there that kind of are running the playoffs. Um, a lot of the – Boston was the best team coming into the bubble. Boston looks like they're about to be Audi 3000 against the Carolina Hurricanes. The Washington Capitals are the higher seed against the New York Islanders, and the Washington Capitals have looked miserable this entire bubble experience. The Washington Capitals should have just stayed out of the bubble if this is all they were going to accomplish in the bubble. It's hockey talk for anybody that didn't catch the transition there. But when it comes to the NBA, <laughs> I think you're going to see something along the same lines. Look, am I going to say the Orlando Magic are taking the Milwaukee Bucks out? No. 
but maybe the Miami Heat give them a push. And if Giannis and the Bucks don't start playing better than they have, I would, it would be an upset, but it would not be, uh, you know, Appalachian State beating Michigan type of upset to to see the Miami Heat take out Milwaukee in that second round. And, the and then, out. who knows in the East? I mean, Boston, Philly, Toronto, Brooklyn, who knows? I think Toronto is an interesting team to watch out there. They won the final. They won the whole thing last year. And everybody doesn't even talk about them this year because they lost Kawhi Leonard. But here they sit as the number two seed in the East. So they've done something right. They're well coached up there. I think that's the interesting team to watch. Do I really think they'll make it to the finals? No, but it would be interesting to see if they did. Um, As out in the West, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's going to be the L.A. teams because I, I think the Lakers are probably better this year. than I, I mean, they're the one seed. They're better than I thought they'd be. Um, they put it together. LeBron has them playing. I'm not rooting for him. I just it's the Lakers. I'm not yeah. rooting for him. I generally root for LeBron in the past. Even when he went to Miami, I still kind of root for him because I thought he I, I just wasn't a LeBron hater. But I'm just not rooting for the Lakers. That's that's the Yankees for me. So I'm not doing it. But it'll be interesting out there for sure. I think this first round matchup, the Rockets versus the Thunder, is extremely interesting. I mean, they had Chris Paul that came from the Rockets, uh, and then you have Westbrook on the Rocket. I just think that's a really interesting matchup there. I'm pretty sure, though, looking at all these matchups, the NBA, I know for a fact in the past, they reseed in the playoffs. So the lowest seed remaining will advance to the highest seed. So it's not necessarily the bracket format. I not what? sure of that this year in the bubble, but in the past years, it 100% is, no doubt about it. So I, I would be interested to see how that goes uh, forward, and maybe I can confirm by next week. Uh, but the cool thing about this week, until you hear our voices again, every day between now and then, um, there's going to be games on at 1, 3, 6, and 9 in the NBA. It's, I mean, it's it's a cool little feature with this bubble. Um Bubble's terrible. The reason the bubble exists is a terrible reason. But once you have it, this is a really cool thing that you have from it. They they only have, what, two courts? So they're just zigzagging between the two courts, and they have games, four games every day, 1 o'clock. Now, the, it is not exactly 1, 3, 6, and 9. Some of those are 1.30s or 6.30s. But uh, you're going to have four games not on top of each other every single day. I think it's that's a cool thing to come from all this. Uh, afternoon basketball every single day for this next week and uh, we'll see what we get yeah um it will be interesting i'm not gonna be watching it during i'm the day. It's, i'm probably well i definitely won't be watching it during the day <laughs> and i i'm not gonna be watching the nba i'll be watching the orioles win or lose uh, not the first it, here's the I thing if the orioles playing. as as much as i love the orioles and i definitely think they're not out of the playoff race in fact i think they're very much in it uh right sure. now but if the Orioles were to lose the next 10 games, I would probably still watch them all the way to the end at this point. Just because, as I've said before, I, I put it on Twitter when Anthony Santander, uh, sorry, Santander hit his second home run um, of the day against Max Scherzer. I put that uh, Tim Curry gif uh, from Home Alone 2 where he says, I love you. Uh, great movie, Home Alone 2, by the way. But... I do love the Orioles. Every time I watch this team, it is just, it's a bunch of misfits. I will give you that. It's a bunch of misfits who probably for no reason should be doing this well. 
but they do appear, and, and especially in Anthony Santander's case, I think it's a guy who's finally clicking at the major league level. He's been passed up a lot. He's had a lot of experience, and I think now it's finally starting to click. I love this team, and I will watch them every day before I watch an NBA playoff game. I mean, I hear you. You don't like NBA much. I, I'm not huge on NBA. I watch it later later playoffs. I will also watch hockey before me. NBA, yeah. I watch NBA before hockey. I, I watch hockey when I hear there's an overtime game, which are awesome, as Jeff Wright, Jeff Wright pointed out. I know that. It is awesome. When everything's on the line, especially those game seven overtimes, oh, my goodness, it's so tense. It's so awesome. But I, watching first two period of hockey games, it's just I, I don't know when I've ever been there. So. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get to fifth quarter ACC. Twitter handle is going to be on here. Uh, Micah is going to join us to talk all things, mostly ACC football, but we'll branch out from there. And we have Micah from fifth quarter ACC on with us again here, his second appearance on the Yak Sports podcast. Micah, thanks for joining us again. And Let's just start off by uh, talking about the ACC football schedule that was released, because as of right now, the ACC is still pushing ahead, despite the news out of North Carolina, which we'll get to later. Um, But with the ACC football schedule being released, there's no divisions. Notre Dame is now a conference member. Um, What was your first thoughts when you saw the schedule come out? Uh, Obviously, Clemson is going to be a front runner no matter what. But who did you think, without there being any divisions, and seeing the schedules as they lay, were laid out, who did you immediately think, this team's got a great chance to be playing Clemson in that ACC championship? I think it's North Carolina. Um, you know, everyone, I, I last time we had talked for my preseason, you know, expectations, I had Virginia Tech winning the Coastal, which was not a hot take by any means, but it was a little bit more of a, you know, a, a surprise, I guess, once people, you know, are, are high on UNC, well, the schedule kind of played out in UNC's favor. I mean, yeah, they grabbed Notre Dame, but it's in Chapel Hill. So, granted, we don't know if and how many fans will be there. But if you think about it, I mean, if and when, even if there's not fans, it's going to be the biggest game Mac Brown's had as a UNC football coach. So, I don't see how that's not going to be, you know, a favorable matchup for UNC if they really can solely focus on that. Um, I think, you know, NC State got kind of lucky, too, and avoided Clemson. But, there's not going to make their, their difference might be a better bowl game or more of a reason to let Oren go if they kind of fail to get to a five, six win area. But I think UNC probably got the most favorable by still avoiding Clemson and, you know, really not, I mean, obviously picking up Notre Dame, but not having to go to South Bend or anything like that. I think based off what you kind of see, and of course, I think North Carolina benefits from not playing UCF because that's just one of those games where, and of course, losing Auburn, too. I mean, you've, you've kind of benefited from your non-conference schedule getting a lot lighter, too. So I think they probably won this whole new schedule thing. But that, that, that's kind of my thoughts there. So I have a prediction for the ACC, and I haven't shared on the podcast yet. But I think Miami is going to struggle this season, if it, if it happens, because they're that team that early in the year when they have all the hype, they're playing good and their fans are in that stadium and they're ready to go. But as soon as they lose a game, their fans disappear and then they lose to, you know, UVA at home or something stupid and they, they lose games they shouldn't. So I think without fans in the stands this year, they'll struggle this season. It's just a, a prediction I have about the season. 
See, I think it's the opposite. I don't want to be the one well, that there we go. And, and, and tells you because <laughs> if you've ever been to a Miami football game, you know that it's empty. It is always, it's never past 60% full unless it's, you know, the year that they were in the top five. So <laughs> when you're at a Miami football game, the thing that makes it loud is the pumped in noise. They do a phenomenal job. I went when they saw, they, I saw them play a couple times, you know, while I was living in South Florida and, you know, I saw them play Virginia. I saw them play UNC. I saw them play Virginia Tech last year as well. You know, that it was absolutely phenomenally loud, but it wasn't by the fans. It was by the PA system that built for the Super Bowl, the national championships, the Orange Bowls. So I think they might benefit from it because that, that same type of atmosphere and sound, I mean, that game against Virginia Tech last year, there was nobody there. Anyone that tries to tell me that was, you know, 35,000 or more, I would call you a liar. They may have had those tickets out, but in terms of people in the stands, I saw more maroon and orange than I saw green and orange. So I think it might actually hmm. play into their favor a little bit because they're they're able to create that atmosphere still. Where some places like Lane Stadium, the fans bring the noise. Where in Miami, I, I don't I don't think and also part of the thing that's you know you mentioned it with Miami, the fans turn on them real easily. You won't have that happen if Miami yeah, falls behind. Be shift. Yeah. You're not you're not going to have those fans booing the team as they leave the field at halftime. So it might actually work out in their favor because I doubt that they're going to pump in boos from the crowd for the home. <laughs> so it, it it could actually benefit <laughs> them in a way because it kind of takes some of that pressure off of pissing off every fan. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll I'll defer to someone that's actually been to a game in Miami. Then I, I I assumed when they were rolling in other years, or at least highly ranked, that the fans I saw on TV were uh, more so. So yeah, I guess uh, I, I like your reasoning for that. Uh, I guess I'm wrong, but we'll find out one way or the other if if it's played. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought it was interesting too that you mentioned that you saw more hooky fans because at that point in the season. I don't, we were there were struggling. a lot of people that were already ready to pull the plug. So that was the turnaround. Yeah, <laughs> that that Miami game kind of turned it around. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the news out of Chapel Hill today. So now they're reevaluating their campus plan in terms of students. Which I mean, uh, they've been fodder on Twitter today because of their plan or lack thereof on how to handle the pandemic when it came to the stu- general student body. Do you think this is going to be an issue around other campuses, or do you think this is uh, other ACC campuses kind of had more of a plan or at least maybe a better plan than North Carolina? I I, want to think that a lot of the schools will fall in suit in terms of, you know, I mean, you hear the rumblings now with ECU and University of South Carolina, of course, not ACC schools, but they're kind of reevaluating the rumor from people that go to the University of South Carolina. I have a friend that works in their athletic department is they're going to do their first week of school in person. And then they're going to go straight online, which makes no sense to me, but Why? if that's what yeah. they're going to do. Yeah. I, I don't know, but that's, I've been hearing that rumbling. It's kind of not funny, but it's, it's interesting. I actually was on UNC's campus last week for the first start of the moving week. I had a friend from out of town. Uh, they wanted to see campus. We went and saw the football stadium and everything like that. And uh, when we were on campus, I could almost tell, like, I almost felt a little uncomfortable because it was like one of those, like, they don't really care about COVID, do they? Because so, so many students, parents walking around without masks, you know, 
I get you're moving stuff up and down the stairs, but I mean, there were tons of people on campus. Nobody was really, you know, that really didn't seem to be like a enforcement of the mass mandate on campus. So it's definitely, you know, interesting to think about. I think for sports, it's kind of twofold. I mean, I don't know if, if you want me to dive into that a little bit, but I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think it's definitely, you're going to see it in a lot of these ACC schools. I don't want to attack the Northern schools or anything like that, but, you know, I could see Boston College and Syracuse seeing what's happening in Chapel Hill and going, all right, let's just go fully online. I know most of their students chose to be online, but, you know, it, it's definitely something that's going to, I think it's going to have a little bit of a domino effect in the conference, especially. So if campuses were to be closed, do you think at that point the ACC would kind of have to reevaluate the football season then? Because I'll just tell you, as a as a person who would love to see college football this fall, I'm not sure how safe it is. And the whole there were some people saying, "Hey, look, to have football, we just need to close campus and not have it be, uh, you know, just have athletes only on campus and tell other students they can't be on campus." And to me, that kind of defeats the purpose then of being able to play football, because if you can't have campus open, it becomes harder to justify having college football for student athletes when you're basically telling every other student they can't come. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, obviously my, my personal you know career kind of depends on all of this as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely, it, it's a very twofold kind of reality we're in. I mean, I a hundred percent agree that, you know, if, if you look at it as a student athlete, it's definitely not in the best interest of these students to, you know, be put in a situation like this if they can't even deem it safe for students. However, I do see the argument that, you know, a lot of these student athletes, this is, if they go home, some of them, I mean, I hate to say it, but some of them might not even be able to really access the internet properly. I mean, it's one of those things where I can kind of see both sides. I mean, I definitely think for sports, it'll make it a lot safer I mean, you definitely have to reevaluate, though. There's no way that because it will definitely create that. Are they really student athletes at this point? But I mean, at the same sense, you think about it and, and it's a it's a valid argument. I saw this on Twitter and I look back to my collegiate division two athlete days during like holiday breaks, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas for me, Easter as a spring sport athlete. We didn't get to go home. We had to stay on campus because we had competition. And the regular students got to go home or I didn't get fall break because we had fall uh, scrimmages and stuff like that. So there's the argument there that it's just kind of that's almost part of what it is of being an athlete is, you know, your sport requires you to stay on campus. So there is that argument that that's kind of, you know, the life of a student athlete. So it's almost, you know, these kids, if they want to play, of course, might be, you know, in the best interest of the university to, to allow them to stay they can control a lot more variables. So, I mean, if you want my personal opinion, I think that you should lean more towards giving them the same rights as a student and probably not playing. But I can also see the argument that, hey, it's, it's safer to have these kids here. And, you know, again, like I said, they get to lose a lot of the, you know, spring breaks and fall breaks that the regular students get. So, you know, in this case, they might actually get the benefit from being on campus when other students can't be. So, and a lot of these students probably aren't leaving campus. If they live off campus and they've already paid their rent for the year, they're probably going to still be in Chapel Hill if, they, if they're from Connecticut or wherever they might be from. So you could also make that argument in a sense too. So, 
they're definitely going to have to reevaluate. I, I don't know if it necessarily cancels the idea of fall sports, though. So speaking of fall sports, I had heard a little bit about this, and I heard more about it this afternoon. Louisville soccer had issues with guys going where they shouldn't and, and not social distancing and caused a, a bit of a stir there with guys testing positive. Um, just kind of using that as the story because you can only expect that to maybe happen in other sports. And now these colleges are kind of exploring all their abilities of what they can do to limit their student athletes from, you know, behavior that will put them at risk of, of catching the virus. Um, what, what can the universities do? I mean, can they really threaten kids scholarships if they go to a, a an off-campus party on a, on a Saturday night? Is, is that something that can really happen that you know of? I don't think so, but I mean, at the same sense, I mean, I've seen it in college I mean, at the division two level. I don't know if this is the same type of classification, but I watched teammates get kicked off for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. They may yeah. not have necessarily been arrested or anything like that, but if they, you know, because we all have, I mean, each in, in, individual institution in sport has their own, you know, team rules the coach puts in place. But if that's a rule a coach puts in place, I mean, again, in the world we're living in now, you know, discipline kind of has become a little bit more you know we give second chances but at the same sense I mean again I don't, I don't know if it would be legally allowed to do that but I mean I lost I, again I watched guys lose scholarships for being in the wrong place at the wrong time and this probably would classify under that again yeah. I don't I don't know how you can control it I mean look at the Cleveland Indians situation in Major League Baseball I mean these guys oh, are getting yeah. paid millions of dollars and they don't even follow the rules so, I mean, it's going to be hard to, to make them follow the rules, of course. But in the same sense, you might be able to, you know, do what the Indians are doing where, you know, police act and Clevenger are now going to probably not get their arbitration for a year because they decided to be, you know, I don't want to call them names or anything, but let's just say not very smart and kind of put the team at risk. So, I mean, I guess you can try it. I, again, I don't know the legal side of it, so I'm not going to say you can or can't, but I think it might fall under that, you know, Wrong place, wrong time, scholarship takeaway. So I think we just established uh, that there's a sound effect for when you call baseball players stupid. That's that's good. New to the podcast there. That's good. Yeah, I liked the sound effect. But also uh, calling Plesak not, calling him not smart is an understatement. When his uh, next public statement is a video on Twitter or Instagram or whatever social media he chose, where he's driving while taping himself and not wearing a seatbelt. I mean... I was just like, wow, you're really convincing everyone that the Indians made the wrong choice here. Yeah, that's what's happening. You're, you're, you're definitely very apologetic when the only time you have in the day to say I'm sorry is when you're running to go grab groceries out in public. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if we're to be decision. Yeah, if we're to be believed that that's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, right. So. so the first game that I see on the ACC website where they offered a schedule for the football season is Thursday, September 10th, which leads obviously into the September 12th weekend uh, for the football. So when is the drop dead date that they're either going or they're not going, or is this going to be a situation that we saw in March where the big East plays the first half of a tournament game and then gets called off the court? Do you think, do you think we're heading to something like that? Or do you think there's a drop dead date before that, that would, uh, that's either full go or no go. And then it would take kind of a catastrophe to stop everything after that. 
So as an ACC fan, of course, we hate to, to look for the SEC for how they're doing things. Yeah. But I would keep an eye on that September 26th start date for the SEC. I think that from what I've picked up on, you know, again, they want to play September 10th, you know, that opening night, Miami versus UAB. But they could push all the way back till September 26th. So I wouldn't be too surprised if we kind of wait. I, I don't know how much y'all follow college football in general, but I don't know if you heard the news out of the FCS world, but the FCS yeah. kickoff game in Montgomery, Alabama is on as scheduled for yep. a week from Saturday. So yep. if that game gets played and we don't see a lot of repercussions across the country from the schools that are still you know, practicing and playing, you might see, I mean, if the, like, I hate to say it, but if, if, if Central Arkansas and uh, Austin Pay or P, however you say it, yeah. can play in Montgomery, Alabama, then I would like to think that Miami and UAB can play in, in Hard Rock Stadium in South Florida. So, you know, it, 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 that, I think that that weekend, that, that, you know, September 1st, Monday, is when we'd probably know if they're going to try to play as scheduled because – I mean, I don't think they're going to do the March Madness thing where, you know, UAB three, like it's going to be September 7th and then they're going to push the game back unless there's an outbreak of some sort. But at the same sense, I mean, I don't think there's a drop dead date because, again, that's that's probably the biggest positive negative of this whole conference doing whatever a conference wants to do. I mean, I, I was looking at it. I'm I'm thinking about uh, September 5th if I want to get a new college football stadium off my list. North Texas swears on their life they're going to host Houston Baptist on September 5th. So, I mean, if they host them, I mean, that's one of those things where we don't know. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but these schools are saying they're going to play. So, I mean, again, if the Conference USA is the, you know, the FCS teams in the world can play these games, why can't the ACC? So, and that argument can be made both ways. You know, why can we or why can't we? So I think that that might be, I, I hate to say we're going to rely on the FCS to make a decision for the power five, but if that runs really smooth, you might have enough, you know, especially on the SEC country side of things to go, heck, we, down the road, we had an FCS game, we were fine. So let's play ball. Let's so, try it. Which, who knows? Yeah. So if, if the NCAA has already said the FCS championship isn't happening, which they did, yeah. why on – God's green earth. Are they playing that game? Money. It's a hundred. I mean, you, if you think if you are okay, well. central Arkansas <laughs> and Austin, P, I mean, you, you are going to be the only college football game week zero. I mean, they're not going to get a lot of ticket revenue. I don't think, cause these teams aren't going to, I mean, they're probably don't have big enough fan bases to, to get the 50% capacity they're allowing at the Campton bowl in, in Montgomery. <laughs> But at the they same can't even extent, get 50% capacity. Yeah, right. Like, but let's also be honest. Like, you, you and I. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. No matter where you kind of stand on this, um, you know, whether we play or not, if the game's happening, you're probably gonna tune in. So that's mm. tons of revenue and recruiting exposure for two FCS teams that you know both made the FCS playoffs in 2019. So it's definitely something that you know. In their sense, and you see it with, you know, like you mentioned it, and I mentioned it too. I mean, Houston Baptist, if you look at their schedule, I found this very intriguing. September 5th, they play North Texas. September 12th, they're at Texas Tech. September 19th, they're playing Louisiana Tech. 
So they're literally playing three games in the fall, and then their season's done. But they're all against FBS teams that are paying them $300,000 or more to come there. Uh, wow, that's... So, okay. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, sound, it doesn't sound very good, but it, like, that's where, like, this is where it's really messy because it's like the FCS, like, when people said, oh, it's over, the FCS has canceled their season. But they also gave, like, this, a lot of these conferences gave permission to their schools to, you know, if you want to fulfill your contract obligations and you feel safe, I mean, we're not liable as a conference, but if, you, if you're team doctors, you're whoever is in your corner telling you whether or not it's safe, says it's okay, then, I mean, go play ball, I guess. So, I mean, again, I mean that's – It's messy. That, it's very messy. Well, also, I mean, what we, are these group talk- of – I'm sorry, Leland, but what are these group of five schools? I don't want to hear anybody complaining about having to cut sports then. If you're paying somebody $300,000 to come play you, you obviously are not hurting for cash. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when you're not putting people in the stands, most likely at at those places, or at least 100% stand. I I mean, it's not a normal game day. It's North Texas. I don't know. All right. Well, I mean, I'm talking, I'm looking at the the schools that are paying, uh, it's the Texas A&M game or the Texas Tech game, and I guess Louisiana Tech. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, I, yeah. I don't it's know. just, it's just hard to see. It's just so blatant. This is a, we talked about it earlier in the podcast already that it's all about the money. And like, here's just another great example. Here's a school from SDS playing three football games just for money, and it's just clearly showing what the priority is in this situation. Um, yeah. I I want to ask you a quick question before we get to the final question on this topic. Um, Liberty came out with a statement that raised a lot of eyebrows this weekend when they said they weren't necessarily testing their players. Um, so if NC, well, they're not showing I think, signs, Joe, they're not, they're no. not coughing, man. Why would you test them? They're not coughing. Cause that's not how the virus works. But so Virginia tech, <laughs> NC state, and I believe Syracuse is the third team that has them on the schedule. That's directly impacted by this. And if Liberty's yes. not doing proper testing, once the season starts, Technically, those ACC schools aren't allowed to play them, according to the ACC. So my question is, is there a kind of ACC mandate that the schools need to have a plus one? Or what would happen if Virginia Tech, NC State, and Syracuse said, okay, just an extra bye week? Yeah, so, I mean, it's not, they're not required. So a really good, so it was kind of funny. I I have a podcast that I host with another ACC page. It's called the just means less podcast. You know, we got to take a shot <laughs> yeah, at the, at yeah, the yeah. FCC. Um, we we're actually previewing Syracuse uh, earlier today. And so we were talking through, you know, that Liberty news that came out and, you know, the, the possibility of, of, of playing, not playing that game. And look at Virginia. They just lost VMI early last week due to the SoCon canceling their season. Mm-hmm. And Virginia hasn't added a plus one yet. And there's arguments that it's just they don't have a contract fulfilled yet. I've kind of heard rumors that they really can't find anybody that's not, not say worth their time, but to try to throw somebody on the schedule here in a game that might not even happen on the 12th of September for Virginia's case, it was BMI on a Friday night, the 11th, uh, an interesting nine 11 kickoff game. But, um, you know, it, it's something that I would, you know, if, if I'm, you know, matter because you know Liberty's gotten a lot of press for a lot of other things, and no matter where you yeah. stand on that kind of stuff, I mean, what Liberty is doing, like, no matter if you're a Corona bro or you think that COVID's automatically going to kill you and you have to live in your bubble, wherever you stand, I'm in the realm, and it sounds like you guys are kind of there with me. You just got to do the right thing, 
and Liberty's not doing the right thing. And, and that's where if I am a team like, I think Virginia Tech probably holds the most power in this because if Virginia Tech says, screw you, we're not playing, then then Liberty and, and you know, NC State will follow suit. Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if I'm those yeah. schools with everything that's going on with Liberty already, and, you know, just the background with what's happening with Falwell and, and you know, living in Virginia, you know, Liberty's probably more of a front news story for us than it is yeah. people across the country. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a mess to begin with. And now you get this to come out and it's like, that's nowhere near the protocol standards. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, these are healthy 20, 20, you know, 20 to 22 year olds that, you know, if they're not coughing, technically are fine. But at the same time, you can still have the virus. You can still pass it on. You know, I, I love the fact that so many folks have kind of turned a blind eye to a lot of these coaches. I mean, Hugh Freeze was just, was just coaching in a hospital bed less than a year ago. You can't tell me that, you know, him, that he's not somewhat more likely to catch the coronavirus than, you know, someone, you know, just, just you and he, you and I just hanging out. I mean, that's, it's, it's ridiculous that, you know, if like Liberty keeps saying they want to play with the big boys. And they've got the money to play with the big boys. I mean, if you've been to Liberty's campus, they're spending money left and right. Their their club's hockey team has their own arena, for freaking sakes. But you look at, like, they can't even spend the money on testing. That's just a bad look. I mean, I think that if I'm, if I'm those schools, I kind of would kind of pull out and I, I look, or at least look elsewhere. I mean, there are some, there are some group of five teams that genuinely would want to play at Virginia Tech or an NC State. And and just do it for the season just to get that exposure on national TV to give their kids a chance. Yeah. Maybe lane stadium's not going to be full. It'll be 25% or whatever the capacity that gets approved, you know, by the local mandates, but it's still an experience, you know, to go say you played at lane stadium, regardless of how many people are there. I mean, Scott stadium is never really full. I'm taking a shot at my favorite team here, but you know, it's still a good experience. I mean, you want to be there. So it's one of those things where I think that it's in the best interest of these HC schools to potentially consider not playing the plus one. That's why I keep an eye on what Virginia does, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't if you don't hear a plus one by Thursday or Friday, they're probably not adding one because then you're three weeks out. And I mean, if you're a Virginia fan, you probably don't want to play Virginia Tech as your first game of the season if it gets played. But at the same time, like if you can't find someone that's going to follow protocol and, you know, not ask for a, a giant lump sum of money to go play in front of no fans. I mean, it's probably in your best interest just to, you know, give your players an extra week to, you know, a make sure everyone's safe and sound, but also just, you know, look out for the well-being of everybody involved. Just you know, Again, that Liberty, I, I, I have no issue with Liberty in a sense, but that, that's just very, very. I don't know, it's the unprofessional, uncharacteristic for a university that says one thing but seems to always do the other. All right. Um, I, I want to ask you one last question related to pandemic and football and all that. I saw you tweet something that I thought was a very interesting uh, thought because I, I'll i be honest, I, I am one that kind of has thought maybe this is the route to go, but uh, I, you brought up a lot of points in that tweet, and I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to hear as well. When you talked about the spring not really being a re- realistic option for fall sports. Yeah, so I actually, it was, it, was, it was really interesting today. I had a, 
a phone call with the senior athletic director at Kent State University, of course, a Mac school that uh, lost, you know, their fall season. Uh, I, I bought season tickets for Kent State football. Uh, I'm an Akron fan for my Mac team. And so they were playing at Kent State for their rivalry game. So back a couple months ago when I thought football was going to be played and we knew there'd be limited capacity, basically all the group of five teams said, if you buy season tickets, you can get in the door. So it was, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it was. So I bought a season ticket that way, you know, I could hopefully go to that game if it happened with fans and everything like that. So they called, you know, we had a conversation about just, you know, you know, I told him about my ACC background and everything like that. And so we had a conversation about, you know, what he saw with the Mac getting canceled. I'm not going to, you know, of course, throw him under the bus for some sure, of the sure, stuff sure. he shared with me. But one thing he shared with me that I think is, is, is smart public knowledge, if you really think about it, because I asked him straight up, I was like, I am curious because, you know, the Mac in their press release said with aims to play in the spring of 2021. Man, that kind of threw me off because I was like, is that really doable? And everyone talks about the player safety side of it. And that's honestly, in my opinion, the, the least of my concerns with the spring of 2021. And someone might go, oh, you don't care about the players. That's not what I'm saying. My, my, my thing is, in the spring of 2021, the virus is not going to be gone. Like, unless you're someone that genuinely thinks this is all polit- political, which I'm not going to say that that is, because that's definitely not true. It's a real thing. You know, it's, it's something that it's not going to be gone. Even if we have a vaccine, it's not like, I mean, just like the flu vaccine, it takes, it takes some time to kind of, you know, figure out exactly what works and what doesn't. And so it, it makes sense that, you know, in the spring, it's not going to be, it's not going to be gone. Like we can't just sure. assume that everything's going to be back to normal. So you're still going to have to do all the testing. You're still going to have, you're probably going to still run into a case or two if not more with athletes getting it, especially if students are back on campus. So it's not like it's going to be that much safer for these athletes. But I think the biggest thing is, I mean, this again, maybe not so much for the ACC, but especially for conferences like the MAC and stuff like that, you know, their staff is stretched out. One thing he made mention, and I never really thought about it because I didn't realize at the division one level, this happens. But like when I was a division two athlete, my athletic trainer, did lacrosse in the spring and then did soccer in the fall. That's how it is for these guys as well. So they're doing spring sports and fall sports. So if there's football in the spring, how are they supposed to help out with, you know, whether it be softball or baseball or whatever, track and field? So how are you going to – and you can't look at these track athletes, these baseball athletes that already lost one season and go, oh, football or fall sports is more of a priority. So how do you do that? But then, two, you have to look at, like, facility usages. I mean, a lot of teams, even in the, like you see it in the ACC – you know, like with the Virginia Tech and stuff like that, you know, women's lacrosse, yes, they can use another facility, but they use Lane Stadium often for lacrosse games. Um, you know, for 10 states, you know, situation, they play football, soccer, and lacrosse all in the, in the football stadium. So now you've got to schedule three sports for games, but also practices. And, of course, we know football is going to have the priority, but that's not going to look very good for the spring athletes who, once again, lost over half, if not their entire season last year. So I, I just don't see how, with all of that being said, it's it's really doable. Again, you know, money is going to play the biggest factor. In this. And I hate to, you know, we, you hit the nail on the head. I don't, I don't want to throw my profession under the bus or anything like that. But, I mean, money obviously has an impact on everything in life, and it's going to have an impact here. I mean, I think in the Max case, you know, if, if it came down to it, if, if ESPN said, all right, we can do Tuesday night action in the spring, the Mac might say, all right, let's play football. 
because they're going to make so much money off that. Where, you know, that was the thing with the Mac probably canceling the football season. I mean, this wasn't directly told to me, but it was kind of hinted at me. And you can kind of piece it together yourself. I'm sure when, when the Mac said, oh, let's look at conference only, and, and the ESPN goes, well, we're not going to put your games on ESPN uh, in October on Saturdays. Like, we're going to cover the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10. Like, we're not going to put – like, the only games we care about is your Tuesday night matches and Wednesday matches in November. And, of course, with everyone that's talking football, everyone's like, we hope we can get to November. So it, it's, you know, one of those things where I just – I don't see how it's doable. I don't think it's safe for these athletes as well. I, I just think that it, it, it's kind of like what happened in the spring when, when everything shut down with basketball and March Madness and, of course, all the spring sports as well, baseball, lacrosse. Uh, track yeah. and field, nothing like that. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, at least we can gear up for the fall. And we'll just push everything in the fall. We'll push everything in the fall. And look where we are. Nothing, right. again, Nothing's things different. weren't handled the best, but nothing's really different. We no. can't assume that the spring is going to be different. We can't, I mean, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big believer in you either go all the way in, you go all the way out. That's why I don't ever, I'm never going to take a full blown, I'll make jokes about it, but I'll never take a full shot at the Big Ten or the Pac-12 for canceling. Like, if you genuinely don't think you're going to be able to play, pull the plug now. Yeah. Don't do not do this. You know, let's not have another ACC basketball tournament where I watched two teams excited <laughs> to play ball, and it took Duke to say, hey, we're not coming for them to pull these guys off the court. I mean, yeah. it's just it, – it's, it's ridiculous to think that things are just magically going to get better. I'd like to think things will be safer and we might be able to play, but to just say let's go for the spring is just – Again, and like, do we do we want two seasons of lackluster football as a fan? You know, spring with no NFL talent, and then the fall, guys getting hurt because they, you know, played at their hearts out in the spring, or do we want you know these guys to just have because the, if we just play we play no spring football and we play fall football in 2021, I feel like it's going to be the best football season we've ever had. These athletes are going to be hungry. These fans are going to be passionate about being back in the stands. If, if we can get to that point, you know, I think that it's in the best interest of everybody to kind of just either, you know, if this, if this fall doesn't work, full, full steam ahead for 2021. That way it can be the best year yet. I mean, I, I think that, you know, that's, that's something that we're seeing, you know, in the NHL with their playoff bubble. Obviously they're able to do the bubble, but, you know, it, it's good hockey. I love it. But at the same point, it's not, it's not the same. And I don't want this to be some, you know, let's just throw it together and, you know, hope it sticks. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's let's work this through and see what happens. So I, I just, I mean, again, I'm all for it. I would love, you know, nothing more to spend my March and April watching, you know, Big Ten ACC football, you know, but let's also be honest. I mean, I don't think it's going to be high quality football to begin with. If every top player, I mean, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence say they want to play football now, but if it comes to the spring, do you really think these top talents no, are going to say, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like why, why, I mean, yeah, I don't, don't get me wrong. I love seeing these, you know, true freshmen get their chances, but I mean, right. it's just not, it's not worth it for, in my opinion. And again, that's just my opinion, but I, I just don't see how it works logistically, financially, and, you know, just overall well-being of everyone involved, fans, staff, players. I mean, it's just, it's a little, it's a little too hopeful. I mean, I think if we if we if we can take one thing away from what happened in the spring is, you know, we can't assume that things will be better in six months. We have to actually work towards it. And yeah. I think the best way to do that is to not hope for something, but instead yeah. 
spend a full year full steam ahead for a, a great fall of 2021 if we can't get yeah. anything we, going this year we hit that point uh precisely earlier as well so uh yeah i think we're on the same page about this i mean we're hoping hoping for it but uh we'll, we'll take what we can get but uh, the most important question of anybody that comes on our podcast is what, what have you been binge watching lately? What, what do our listeners need to uh, be watching on Netflix or on TV that, uh, that you're watching that you've enjoyed? Yeah. So in the last week or two, I have literally done nothing but watch hockey. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge hockey fan. So in terms of binge watching, I'd recommend like, even though it, there's no fans, I mean, I will say 90%, I had probably even 98% of the guys playing in that NHL bubble right now are genuinely playing and like it's a legit Stanley cup playoff. And the ones that aren't, I mean, you've seen a lot of them, not a lot of them, but we've seen, you know, Tuka Rask with the Bruins opt out. So, you know, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're a sports fan and especially if you've never really watched hockey, I'd say give it a shot because of all the sports really going right now. I mean, I'm not a huge NBA fan, so I don't want to say that the NBA bubble is not as, as legitimate. But, I mean, the fact that Phoenix Suns went undefeated and didn't even get to continue on is kind of shows you where that where the NFL, at least the NBA bubble is at. So if you're a sports fan, I recommend giving the, you know, the, uh, the NHL a shot. But if not, I think, you're, I think your best bet, you know, in terms of Netflix, I, I love the, the, the throwback classics. The, right now I'm going through Parks and Rec for the third time. I'm one of those guys, if I really like a show, I can watch it over and over again. And the way life is, I kind of have been watching more shows for background noise. So if you haven't heard a great show right now that's on Hulu, it's not on Netflix. Well, they have seasons one through six on Netflix, I believe. The 100 from the CW is an absolute phenomenal show. If if you're looking for something that's a little bit, I'm not a huge action kind of, you know, sci-fi kind of guy but I genuinely have enjoyed every episode I've watched of this show. So if, uh, if I'm, if I'm you know, someone that's looking for something new, I'd give that a shot. It's, it's kind of more realistic too, because it's like post apocalyptic earth and the way, you know, things are going right now. It's kind of like, what if this is actually <laughs> happening? So I, I think it's definitely something neat and interesting to watch. That's kind of what I've been, been watching. But again, uh, for the most part, it's, it's NHL hockey and, watching my Baltimore Orioles somehow stay competitive in Major League Baseball. That's right, baby. (laughs) Well, enjoy that while you can. And uh, we've enjoyed having you on the podcast this week. Uh, Always great to have you on. We'll get you back on, especially if there's actually some ACC football happening here in a couple weeks. And uh, we'll look forward to that. Absolutely. We can can only hope. But in the end, as long as we do it the right way, I'd rather that. (laughs) We agree with that 100%. At some point on a sports podcast, you just got to make believe that it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right? Just gotta, that's right. how we were with our Syracuse preview. We're just pretending that everything is normal, but it's not. All right. Well, exactly. thanks again, Micah. Um, as Leland said, we really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Thank you. D-block time here on the Act Sports Podcast. But thanks again for Micah for coming on with us there. Lots of good information. Uh, yeah, I mean, just so much information. He's deep inside what the ACC is doing and has connections everywhere. So it's it's really cool to hear from the inside there. But let's move on to the D-block here where we talk a little bit about us. Uh, so, Joe, I'm going to tell you what's dominating my life first. And I'm going to tell you that ESPN Radio for the majority of my life has dominated my life. When I was 16, I played 
a CD when I got my stereo and in my new car or my new car, it was a, a very used Honda Accord, but I had a stereo in it. I played a CD that to hear what the bass sounded like and thought I was cool. And then I clicked it to 1240 and listened to ESPN radio. And that's, that's what I do when I listen to when I'm in a car, I listen to sports radio and I did that all through the rest of high school and college at some point in college i got serious radio just so i could listen to espn radio without having to go up and down interstate between here and tech finding which station had espn radio i love the fact that i could pause espn radio and then fast forward through the commercials later i guess the sponsors don't like hearing that kind of talk so i have just grown up on espn radio i've loved i i liked mike and mike more than most people did I like Tony Kornheiser's show on there so much that I'd still listen to Tony Kornheiser. When he went off there and they brought on Colin Cowherd, I didn't like him because it wasn't Tony Kornheiser, but then I finally started re- realizing he does a pretty good radio show, even though I hardly ever agree with him. He He's entertaining. Uh, I liked the one o'clock shows when it was Dan Patrick, and then it was Mike Tirico, and then it was SVP. I liked those guys. So I've just grown up on the, all these guys, and all of it's gone now. And it, and it ended... This two weeks ago with Golick, uh, he had the Golick and Wingo show and they ended that. And that was kind of the, of what I grew up on listening. He was the last holdout and they just have a whole new lineup. Greeny's back, but it's kind of a different feel. I listened to a little bit of it today and when I'm out for lunch, I might try to check into it, but I have no interest in that morning show. The, the, just by names. Cause they're, they're people I'm familiar with. It's uh, Keyshawn and Jay will like I, I know those guys. I know what they bring to the table. It's it's not going to draw me in, in the morning. Golick and Wingo was barely drawing me in. I've I've moved to podcasts. I've moved to sports podcasts and and listening to people talk still, but it's through the podcast form. I don't have to worry about pesky commercials and uh, timeouts and all that. Like I can I can listen at my pace and not miss anything. So I've really liked that i just I'm not in DSPN radio anymore, and it's just it it's it felt like watching it die when Golick was saying goodbye a couple weeks ago, which was handled very nicely. And he had his family on there. Uh, I was off work that day and I really watched that, that whole thing. And, uh, you know, just to have a, the last remaining representative of something I've grown up on something that's a motivation to, for what we're doing right here. I mean, my ability to do this podcast, my want to do this podcast and what we do on Friday nights for 1240, it all started from what, from listening to that and being kind of obsessed with listening to it. And I swear I had one job while I was in, in college that I, I had that job the next summer only because I could listen to ESPN radio all day uh, just because of what that job was. And um, it didn't develop my career, but I I listened to sports all day. Um, So yeah, it just, it's a big transition. And uh, I guess I just wanted to talk about my love of the old ESPN radio and, uh, I just, I'm not digging it. I know you guys like Levitard. I know I argue with you and Patrick all the time about Levitard. At least you guys don't throw the, I don't get the show at me anymore. I get the show. I just, it's not for me. Um, but for even for you guys, that's the highlight of ESPN radio. Nothing else is drawing you in on that network. Oh, and no. I think that's the a new shows problem. and Greeny aren't, aren't drawing me in. Yeah. And, and I mean, you guys are sports. I mean, Patrick Hyten, you are the people I talk most about this. You guys should be listening to ESPN radio. You should want to, and they're not drawing you in. What are they doing? Um, I, I look, and because I listen to Dan Levitard, he's got opinions on this and he has talked about it at length the last few weeks, basically since the announcement was made. 
uh, but especially the last week. They went down to two hours. Last yeah. week. Well, two hours on the radio, but they're doing a bunch of podcast stuff, too, and it's actually more hours of their show a day now uh. because they're doing a local hour and a digital-only hour. And then after their show, they're doing a post, what they call the post-game show, which is where they talk about another topic or something and continue to goof off and have fun. Immediately regret post uh, polls they put up on the Internet? <laughs> no, uh, usually not. No, usually they don't care what people say about that. But, um, yeah, I, I just – and look, I, I know Patrick probably feels the same way. For me, they talk enough sports to where I get some sports takes and stuff. Yeah. And, and I then, listen to Tony Kornheiser. It's not all sports. Oh, me, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I can handle other stuff. But I, I like the way they manage to have fun and goof around and yeah. joke around all the time. And, and I enjoy that. I, one of the things that I think just kind of, and I'm not going to say this about you, but just kind of hits the nail on the head with ESPN. And I don't think they get what, where the direction is going uh, is uh they did this thing where the sports center reads are done by Stu Gotts, who is the other character on the Dan Levitard show. Yeah. And part of his whole shtick is he's slimy. He's a thief and he is, he lies all the time and he's just totally lazy and not good at his job, but he keeps moving up the ladder. Um, but anyway, the sports center reads, basically the producers would write in these difficult names and difficult cities and teams on purpose to try to get him to screw up because Stu Gotts was so lazy he wouldn't look at the reads before he's reading them. So he would get in them, he would stumble all over himself, mispronounce stuff all the time, and it was like part of the show. Well, ESPN, and again, this is the most downloaded podcast ESPN has. It's the most yeah. popular show yeah. when you factor in the podcasts, uh, listens, and downloads. It's the most popular radio show they have. And ESPN is coming in saying, your sports center reads aren't up to the standard of ESPN. So we're taking them away from you and we're having this other person do it. And you're like, yeah, they I don't, don't think you, <laughs> I don't think you get why people are listening to this show. Like, yeah. and so they're having somebody else do it. I haven't gotten to listen to the actual show from today yet. I'm behind. I had to listen to Friday's show uh, first. And then I listened to the beginning. I'm getting ready to start the actual show show. Uh, when tomorrow probably and then hopefully i'll be able to catch up but it's to me it's just and dan touches on this when he's explaining it today if you want sports like you got it in the 1950s don't worry it'll be like that starting today where scores highlights scores highlights scores highlights and that's what they're going to talk about and he's right you can get all that now on your phone without listening to one second of ESPN radio. So the sports center reads, especially becoming scores, highlights, scores, highlights. Why on earth would I be tuning in every 30 minutes when I can just look at my phone and pull up the score and see a highlight? I don't need that. And I, I know you love Mike Greenberg and listen to his show or you did in the past. I know you I said don't. this one. I know you, I know you said this one was not great and you'll still check it out and give it a chance, but to me, that is just so gone by the wayside for me. I, I just see that's not what his new, his new show, though. The reason I'm going to give it a chance, like Mike and Mike was a different thing because it was catch everybody up in the morning. They're getting in their car. They need to know what they missed. That no longer is the case. And I think that's what they try to have Wingo and Golick do. And that's why it wasn't catching on. And they're bringing Keyshawn and Jay Willing because they will provide a little more 
opinion and and not always just the common opinion. What Greeny's trying to do with his new show at, at midday is have like more law form interviews and stuff, which interests me. Those were always my when Dan Patrick used to do that, when Dan Patrick yeah. used to go blow a break and just keep this guy on there. I liked that. And by noon of a day, I don't at all need to hear what's going on. I've already li- I'm, I'm probably already listening to Tony Kornheiser spout off about, you know, his cable bill being too expensive or his gas bill, you know, being 40 more dollars a month. Like I've already had I'm already moving on. So I will give Greeny a chance. I'll click it over there probably just to hear who he has on. It's got to be someone I care about. And if it's if it's just regurgitated stuff that's on first and 10 or whatever the show get up that I'm not watching in the morning. And and, I think get up's gone. I think that's part of it is get up is gone. I don't think Mike Greenberg's doing both. Is he? He's doing both. Uh, oh, he's definitely, what a yep. bad idea. He's on Get Up. If he's just regurgitating what he had that morning, I'm not going to care because I'll have already seen three tweets about it. But if he's getting guests on there and blowing, you know, having some long times with them or, or asking those deeper questions other than just, you know, why are, why are you on here? What product are you selling? What Gatorade flavor is new this year that you're that has your name associated with it? Like, I'm not going to care about that, what he used to do on Mike and Mike. But if they're going to give him a chance to actually do something different, I will give it a chance. And 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 I don't love Mike Greenberg. I thought I liked the dynamic between him and Golick back in the day. Uh, that's obviously not there anymore. Um, but I, I'm going to give that one a chance just to have some semblance of caring about what's on ESPN. Because without me tuning in during that two-hour period midday while I'm probably getting my lunch, I will absolutely listen to zero ESPN radio, which is just going to be weird. I mean, more than half my life I've been listening, for 20 years I've been listening to ESPN radio, and I can very easily go see myself going to none, especially if this Greenberg show isn't what I hope it will be. Yeah, I just, I don't think it's going to be good. And like you, it's the morning show is, I, I didn't like Trey Wingo. I, Mike Golick is, whatever to me. I don't, I have no strong feelings on Mike Golick. I don't like Trey yeah. Wingo. So I was never going to give that show the time of day. Yeah, um, that's fun. I yeah. didn't listen to it much. I mean, to be fair, I, I'm probably one of the reasons it's gone. Cause I'm one of those people that had been listening to ESPN radio every day on the way into work. I'm listening to Greeny and Golick. And then when it became Wingo, I, I did get out. I, I started, I started finding other podcasts to listen to. So, all right, well, let's uh, move it along here. Uh, I'll go with what is dominating my life, the Shenandoah Valley Expedition update. Uh, the, and if you listened a few weeks ago, I told you I was starting uh, to get back on the old exercise bike and trying to get in better shape. Uh, last week, that did not really happen. Um, <laughs> I, I have, it's been about five days since I've been on it. So, yeah baseball season has been the worst because what I will say, while I love watching baseball, it's really hard to ride the bike and watch baseball. Not like hockey, hockey. There's so much going on constantly. I don't have time to think about how much I don't enjoy riding this bike baseball. (laughs) I have plenty of time to think about how I don't enjoy riding the bike. And also with baseball, I'm texting like three or four different people about the baseball game while I'm doing it. So there's a lot of difficulties with the baseball that aren't with the other sports necessarily. Um, so I just on the map, I pulled it up just to make sure I am 8.8 miles behind my goal of finishing the trek in 60 months, which or 60 days, which is actually not the real goal. The real goal is 30 days. I am super behind on that. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, I just passed the old hometown of Stevens City. I should be in Strasburg by now. 
I will still get it in 60 days. I am not worried about that because when I do ride, it's usually about five miles. So I will, if I do that for two or three days in a row, I will already catch up to that goal. So that's not going to be that difficult of a task. It's the 30 days that I think I may have missed the boat on, but um, that's been a, it's going to be a challenge this week to get back on that and stay committed just because my general default is sit down on the couch and watch baseball. Talking about it on here only keeps you accountable. So keep on doing it. What I know that you need to know is another difficult task. that's going to make this even more difficult is I've rearranged the apartment. Uh, basically I was Ooh. not, I was not using the recliner as much as I liked. I, it's my favorite seating option, but it's so far away from the TV. It was not really practical. So I have rearranged the apartment. Uh, and I actually like, I have more space. I'm going to get rid of the one coffee table that I've been saying I'm going to get rid of for a year. It's actually going to go. The neighbors downstairs tragically are moving away. Um, Well, tragically, yeah, tragically for me, great for them. They're doing life goals. That's awesome. I'm so happy for them there. I'm devastated because now my college football buddy is gone and um, I'll just have to settle for Leland. But... So I'm going to get their coffee table, yeah, if we play, and if there's not a pandemic. Uh, But I'm going to get their coffee table, which is a rectangular shape, the proper coffee table shape, and it's also going to take up much less room. So I'm going to get that. That's going to give me some even even some more space. But I found a spot for the exercise bike now where I can – I still can see the TV, but it's going to be more difficult to see the TV than it was. Mm. The, The added bonus, and this will help, I don't have to move it. Because when I have company over, I have to move the exercise bike up against the wall. Now I don't have to do that. So it won't be a thing of, like, once it's moved over there, do I really want to move it? Mm, Now it's just get on it and do it, you stupid idiot. So um, that will – I guess that will help. But uh, I've rearranged it. I'm not married to where everything is right now. Uh, There's going to be another planning session probably later in the week. I I just did this before we recorded. Uh, So – the good news, the recliner is in a place where I can watch the TV more directly. Uh, now, everything has changed. The, the position of the TV is different. Do any representatives from Robert Morris have to be included in this meeting? Robert Morris is going to have some more difficult viewing options. Because as you know, the window to where Robert Morris plays currently had no obstructions. Now their back is going to be toward the game, which I think is very fitting because if you're watching Robert Morris, you should have your back to the action on the field because it's bad. So you will not be able to, unless you're sitting and looking over the back of the couch out the window, you will not be able to see Robert Morris playing. Robert Morris is going to be super upset about this. It's going to hurt their eyeballs. But then again, I think they've already canceled their season. I have, they though. at one point they were going to play like Hawaii or something. Yeah, well, and then the FCS canceled. I don't know. Maybe they are one of those FCS teams Micah mentioned (laughs) that is playing. I don't know. That is so stupid. If I can, just really quickly. That is the dumbest. Okay, JMU, I apologize. At least you didn't do that. Yeah, just gut out four games. Yeah, it could be worse. That is true. All right. Uh, What I know that you need to know is that we have a new Monday Night Football booth. Um. I don't get that hyped about these different Monday night football booths because it changes so often now that I, it's hard to like really miss anybody that's gone or think, thinks that something was bad. 
you get these guys that were only in there for a year or, or you know, a year or two, and then it changes. And it, it's not like when we grew up and you had Al Michaels in there forever. I mean, that's the Monday Night Football that I don't know is Al Michaels, Dan Deerdorf. You know, that that was the tradition of what Monday Night Football was. Then towards the end of that run, they they threw in some other guys with them in addition to them. And then they had or Dan Deerdorf went away and they kind of cycled through some guys. I liked it when Tariko was doing it because I like Tariko. I wish ESPN didn't, didn't allow him to go. I'm looking forward to when he's has more airtime again, and that's going to mean Al Michaels is not on the air anymore. Um, nah, but gonna be new Monday Night Football goof, booth, and uh, Lewis Reddick is in there as the third guy, along with Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. I'm not huge on Brian Greasy. Steve Levy also is not my favorite play-by-play guy. I didn't mind him as a Sports Center guy, but he's not my favorite play-by-play guy. Um, but again, this is probably only going to last a year or two. And then they'll, they keep trying to get Peyton Manning in there. I, if they ever get Peyton Manning in a booth, I like Peyton Manning. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll be interested in that. At least Monday night football is the same as like Sunday night football. It's those national TV games. I, I don't know. I just, everybody's making a big deal out of this. I just think they need to find something and stick with it. And this isn't that group. So I'm, I, I just seem kind of indifferent. Yeah, maybe this is not the right thing to say since this is kind of the profession I want to do. Um, but I almost, unless it's somebody that I like literally cannot stand the voice, I don't really care. I, I don't like Joe Buck. Uh, Joe Buck being on a game is not going to make me not watch it. Oh, no. I don't no, like, no, no, no. yeah, yeah I, I don't, I thought Steve Levy was fine for the XFL uh, games that he did. So but him he, getting he up to Monday Night Football. Yeah, he was doing college yeah. before that. Him getting up to Monday Night Football is whatever. Um, the people I love, I mean, uh, sometimes that'll get me to watch a game, but more times than not, it's going to be the matchup on the field. I love Al Michaels. I don't know if I've ever been like, I don't know if I'm going to watch tonight, but Al Michaels is doing the game, so I'll watch. I've nev- That's yeah, never been... That's that's never been a deciding factor for me. I'll tell you sometimes what decides what's on the big TV on Saturday night is what Fowler and Herbster are doing. Now that's fair. I don't have a multiple TV setup that would change, which audio got played for me. Um, I'll just say this. I don't know if ESPN is great at evaluating their in-game talent. Uh, I loved Mike Patrick and Mike Patrick got put on like the the Z team out in the middle. He gets like the Hawaii game at 4 a.m. now because I don't know. He's not on it now. He's gone now. Well, I, I guess he said something to somebody and made him mad because he got sent to some really terrible games early on. There was a clip of, I think it was a Virginia Tech Miami game in Lane Stadium. Uh, and they were, it was from, I don't know, when we were good. So 20 years ago. Yeah. But Mike Patrick was doing the game, and they're talking about it during the timeout, and the fans are jumping, and Mike Patrick's like, look at this place. It's so electric. I'm like, God, I miss Mike Patrick. He was so good. And this happens every college football season. I'm like, where is Mike Patrick, and why am I listening to this other guy do the game? And He did a good job bringing the excitement at their appropriate time and the right level of excitement. He would let the excitement in. He wouldn't downplay it. And he would be right with it. I, I I did like him. He used to do the NFL games for ESPN. When Sunday Night Football was on ESPN, it was Mike Patrick calling it. And he used to call the biggest basket, college basketball games with uh, Dick Vitale. 
and like it was Mike Patrick and him. Like he had some of the biggest stuff on ESPN, and I don't, I never recognized him falling off. I guess just other guys rose up, and I, I, mm, I feel bad for him because I debatable. thought he was great. Yeah, I don't know if rose up. I would say some well, of those guys are not good. I so, just flat out some of the play-by-play guys for ESPN that do college football, I just do not care for. Um, but yes, the A team is fine. I, I'm fine with the ESPN A team. It's the B and C team that sometimes I don't care for, depending on who it is and what game it is. But um, I, I will say this, talking just about announcers. Uh, the Orioles announcers this year are dreadful. I do not like them. I watched the it's game. It's always with, changing, though. No, it's not. It's been the same guys every single game this year. They had a girl in there the other day. No, that was radio. That was radio, and she did some, like, uh, the equivalent of sideline reporting for baseball. Um, I I wish she would do the game. I I think she would be better than the play-by-play guy they have now. The play-by-play guy, not only does he say the names wrong during the game, he'll say the names wrong every single time the player comes up. Like, if you do it once or twice, okay, it happens. But he does it every single time the player comes up. He will call them the wrong name. And I'm like, plus you're a professional. You're horrible. He's never done a game before. He's a Baltimore sports radio host for a radio show on the fan. And now he's play-by-play for the Baltimore Orioles. Why didn't they get Joe Deck in there? I would cost them a lot less money than Scott Gersow. I will say that. (laughs) I mean, basically, just let me live in the stadium. And pay me like, <laughs> we'll call it even. yeah, pay me what I'm making now and I would do it. Give me a window in the warehouse and we'll call it good. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, pay me what I'm getting paid now, which is got to be less than Scott Gersow is making by a mile. And put me up in the warehouse rent free and I will do it. Like, easy. <laughs> so, I look, I Gary Thorne, the rumor with Gary Thorne is maybe he gets a little tipsy during games i don't know i doubt it but you'd have to after these last four years but at (laughs) least with him like i have a good time watching the game like he's great he gary thorne is i I think one of the most underrated broad play-by-play guys ever i mean he's great at hockey he's great at baseball um and i I love when gary thorne's doing oriole games jim palmer is great at doing color commentary and providing insightful analysis. Ben McDonald does not give me any insightful analysis at any point in the game. I just don't care for the guy. Um, Jim Palmer also has that. He's a hall of famer going for him. Ben McDonald for the guy is the weakest is the weakest thing you've ever said. Like you'll tear everybody apart. And you just took this guy and said, I just don't care for the guy. I just don't. I mean, I don't know him personally. He's, but here's the thing. He's so much better than Scott Gersow. Like he kind of gets off the hook. Orioles Twitter, man, you should look at Orioles Twitter and what they have to say about Scott Gersow. It's bad. They hate it. Earlier tonight, earlier tonight on Twitter, you were wishing harm upon people. For no good reason. And uh, this guy no, is, like, there was good reason for that person. Job, and you're just like, I just don't care for the guy. Like That person just, has good you're, reason. You're a Leland comment right there. You know who they are. Prime listener Rob knows who they are. That person has good reason. That person's a dope. But, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even talk about Chris Davis. That'll be next week because he's not going to do anything impactful. <laughs> He'll still be batting 100. Him then. pinch hitting was the worst thing to ever happen this year. There I said it. Um yeah, I just, I do not, 
I can't do Scott Cursell. I watched the game on mute today because I was on the phone with my mom while I was watching it before the podcast after I got done rearranging things. And I was like, when I got off the phone, I was like, wow, I was listening to my mom while I was talking to her, but I was also taking in the game. That was the most enjoyable part of Orioles baseball audibly. Uh, And we're getting killed. And I didn't have to listen to Scott Cursell butcher some Toronto Blue Jays name. I didn't have to listen to Ben McDonald tell me about whatever he's talking about. Half the time, I'm just, I just tune him out and I'm like, wait, what happened? What is he blabbering about now? I just, give me Jim Palmer from Zoom. Give me Gary Thorne from Zoom. I would, I know it's going to sound not great because it's Zoom, but it's going to sound better than Scott Gersow and Ben McDonald at the stadium. I, I have, barely listen to those guys they're always they're at best on the i mean look i the nats people are worse don't get me wrong Uh, bob carpenter's fine fp santangelo that man hasn't said in a single intelligent thing in his life he is the dumbest person to ever have a microphone put in front of him that guy is just weapons grade stupid Uh, he should not he should not be employed by anyone I kind of wound up with most of my watching. It's it, if I'm if I have two baseball games on, your Orioles are off to the side, and I have like probably the national game or whatever MLB TV showing me on the other. Yeah, because uh, I haven't listened to a lot of the Nationals either. Depends on who's the Nationals playing. Also, is if I cut over there to close um, our baseball. I, yeah, to close our baseball before we wrap this up, uh, which we really should. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to watch the White Sox because I'm seeing a lot of hype for some of their young players, and I do want to watch. I think Robert uh, is the guy's last name. Um, I do really want to watch him because I'm hearing a lot of great things about him, and that's a that's a young guy I haven't had Check the out. chance to see yet. But hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be on national television since he's getting a lot of pub, and uh, we can check. Yeah, go check ahead. Check out those Padres while you're at it. Yeah, I mean the Padres play at ten o'clock at night, so it'll have to be a weekend. But that's hopefully, hopefully, Junior Man. Yeah, he's good. But uh, yeah. I would love to see the White Sox. And maybe next time ESPN can skip the Red Sox being killed on the altar by the New York Yankees as Aaron Boone and Brett Gardner hail Satan uh, during the game because they're definitely devil worshipers. (laughs) So that will close it for us here on the Yak Sports Podcast. We thank you for listening. Uh, We we ask that you please tell us what you think of the episode. on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook at Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. If we didn't talk about something that you think we should be talking about, let us know. Or you can also just comment and uh, tell us where we're right or where we're wrong. Uh, we welcome both differing opinions. And uh, trust me, the people I see tweet, there's no chance that anyone that listens to this is going to be that bad. So I will have already calibrated to my Ben McDonald level of, yeah, I mean, I don't like it, but it's not Scott or Sal. So you will be safe. Just tell us what you think and uh, be sure to share it, especially once the high school sports season, if we get a high school sports season, which we hope once it starts, uh, we'll, we'll stay optimistic here. Once high school sports start, we'll really be getting into it. I definitely, we, we have our doubts about a spring football, college football season. I think VHSL has a, has a better chance to, I do too. to operate the spring differently. If they have any sports, I think we'll have this, we'll get the football in in the spring. I do too. Um, so we'll keep hoping for that 
You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode again. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, we do talk a lot of local sports, and uh, we don't usually talk about devil worshipers, but they got in this week. Sorry, folks. I hate the Yankees as much as you do. So until next week, folks, we hope you enjoy the Exports podcast and have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.